Welcome to Inside the Mind. My name is Drew Fitzgerald, here to bring you coverage of all things Charlotte 49ers. I'm joined here today with David Shelton. David, what kind, what, uh, uh, I guess, name, what is it? Your tagline, your, what, what is your, your occupation? What, what uh, I guess possibly? as far as a football thing would go, I'd just say avid football watcher. I, I you know, like I've, Definitely watched more Charlotte football than the past several months being your roommate than uh, the rest of my life combined. But I feel like I've learned some things and I'm excited to hop on the pod and just uh, speak my mind on some some Charlotte sports here. Yeah. Yeah. So David is my roommate and I've actually held him at his own will to watch Charlotte football go. What what are they now? Two and five, two and six. Um, I don't know. The losses keep piling up. Uh, but he has been forced to watch every game, and it's been uh, a, a growing experience between us. He's seen me at my lowest moments, and uh, I don't even think he's seen me at a high moment because I don't think he was here for the ECU game. But let's talk about Charlotte's loss last week to FAU. Uh, Charlotte fell at home 38-16. to 16. They had over 12 penalties and 106 yards off those penalties huge huge deficit there at the ecu game they they were really penalized and and i was talking to cameron last week on the podcast um about how they needed to limit those penalties if they wanted to win the game i actually think they had more penalties this game than that last game and if you look at their stats they also went four for 19 on third down something they're not very good at uh but they they really kind of held the ball with 38 minutes of possession they didn't really do much with it but kind of one of the one of the biggest uh developments of the game was that Jalen Jones and Trexler Ivy were both injured during the game. Jalen Jones hurt himself. I think he had a, uh, either a leg injury or, or kind of just hit, fell wrong. And uh, Trexler Ivy actually uh, was hit on a late hit and he was uh, brought out of the game. Uh, a really kind of a bad, nasty late hit call uh, that, that actually wasn't called on FAU. So uh, he's out of the game. So then enter Mika Bowens, who, uh, it's an Oklahoma State transfer, uh, Oklahoma, excuse me, Oklahoma Sooners transfer. He uh, gets brought in on fourth and 19 uh, on their own territory. He gets immediately sacked. And then Dom Schaffner enters, who is previously a Charlotte commit. He spent some time in Eastern Illinois and then recommitted back to Charlotte. He's a graduate uh, transfer, played pretty well, but obviously he wasn't given enough materials to win the game with less than four minutes left in the game. So David, what is your, your reaction to, I know you didn't watch this game, but what is your reaction to this loss? It's obviously not favorable for Charlotte and they're kind of now towards the bottom of the American, just above temple and ECU. What is your, what are your thoughts right now about this? Right. Well, again, yeah, I didn't watch this game, but I've watched a, a few Charlotte games now. I watched almost all of the Georgia State game, a good chunk of the Maryland game, and I think a good chunk of the SMU game, along with just some little plays here and there. So I've seen several things, mainly of Charlotte's offense. Uh, I think the first thing I want to say is Hoji and the rest of the coaching staff, this dance they're doing where they're shifting quarterbacks in between quarters. It's like they're they're starting Jalen Jones most games, and they're giving him a couple drives and then switching to Trexler Ivory and hope both those guys are okay after getting injured. But I just don't think that's a sound way of doing your quarterback strategy. It's especially quarterbacks that are um, more developmental like these guys. They need time to get into the flow of the game. And 
having that thought in the back of their mind, like if I don't score a touchdown on this drive, I'm going to get yanked is just not positive for them from a mindset perspective. It's just really hard to play quarterback that way when you've got that sort of pressure on you every drive. Um, so I think that's the number one thing they need to pick a quarterback before the game and stick with them for at least a half. And then probably the whole game, unless just something drastic has happened. Like you start Jalen Jones and he's, you know, three for 15 with three picks after the first half, then you might would think about a change, but anything short of that, I just don't think that's a good strategy to be going with. Uh, I don't know about what you and the rest of the Charlotte fans thoughts are about that. Yeah. So I, I can, I can say that the, the Charlotte fans do not like that as well. Uh, what is so interesting about that swap is that they're not the same type of player. Actually, Jalen Jones is a scrambler. And more often than not, he's actually running the ball than passing it. So we saw actually in the last uh, game against FAU, Charlotte kind of transferred to this triple option look where they run speed option a lot out. And then they kind of check it down to the tight end. They do a little tight end screen once in a while. It's a very, as one of the announcers said on ESPN, how are they gaining yards right now? Because they would do the same thing over and over and over again. And the thing is, when you sub Trexler Ivy in the whole kind of scheme is busted, right? Because Trexler is a pocket passer who is not very mobile. And so when he gets back on the field, there's a lot of sacks taken by him because he's not mobile. He doesn't really throw the ball away. He, he can throw really far downfield, but the offense completely changes. They go from using their running backs and linemen and fullbacks to now using their receivers, um, which is not very advantageous. So a lot of critiques that the Charlotte fan base had was, you know, when Dom Schaffner came in, who's a graduate student, he's actually a scrambler and a passer. He compliments Jalen very well. And the question is, well, why weren't we starting Dom and Jalen at the beginning of the year? They seem very interchangeable. If you're going to pull one, why don't you pull, you know, the same type of player? So that was, that was the biggest kind of right. critique by Charlotte fans. Well, that's a good segue into what I was going to talk about here because, yes, they are two very different quarterbacks. And while I was watching the Georgia State game, they were asking Jalen to do some more pocket passing. And from watching him, it's clear what his strengths and weaknesses are as a player. His When he's in the pocket, his footwork is it's terrible. For uh, I don't want to sugarcoat it here. His pocket presence is really bad. He has really bad mechanics trying to throw the ball. But he's like you said, he's, he's a great athlete. He's a good runner. Uh, he throws a little bit better on the run uh, when he can use his athleticism and sort of see the field and um, break down a defense on second play type of stuff. Um, so that's his strength. Trexler is a little bit better of a pocket passer. He can make some of those progression reads, get to his second or third read sometimes. But I did notice um, in the Georgia State game when the offensive line, the pressure broke down a little bit that his mechanics started to leave him a little bit. He started to show a little bit more inaccuracy when he was pressured. So the question is, if you're picking one of those two quarterbacks to go with, um, if you're wanting to do more of an offense where you're asking a quarterback to stay in the pocket and stuff, um, then you obviously want to go with Trexler, but can Charlotte's offensive line hold up to that would be the question. And against some of the lesser AAC teams, you might be able to hold up, but against, you know, the two lanes and the uh, other big dogs in the AAC that just might not be able to happen. And Jalen might be a better option. Yeah. So that brings us to a great point that Charlotte must win their last four games, all of them in a row to become bowl eligible. 
they face Tulsa, which is uh, their next game tomorrow. And Tulsa's one in three in the AC- AAC currently, uh, three and five overall. They're not the best team, but they're once place above Charlotte. So it seems like the most winnable game. And then Memphis comes to visit Charlotte, and they're the fourth best team in the uh, AAC. They're three and one. Then Charlotte faces Rice, who's kind of middle of the pack, and then South Florida, who's kind of middle of the pack, but two very good AAC teams. So what do you so now that we've kind of analyzed the different quarterbacks, what do you think the fix is? Do you think they need to go to the do you think they just need better play calling? Do you think they need to go to Jalen Jones again, to Trexler Ivy, or do you think they need to explore their other two quarterbacks that they've kind of previewed? I mean, they have four that they that have seen the field. Yeah. What do you what do you think would be best for them? I mean, it's not very I guess legitimate to say that they're going to win out. They're not. I mean, from what we've seen, it's, it's not very likely, but they still have to compete. So what does that look like in the next uh, game tomorrow against Tulsa? And that's okay. I think maybe Charlotte fans could use to, could use a tempering of expectations here. You might not make a bowl, but this is the first year of a new coach. The cupboard by all accounts was pretty bare coming in. So I think as a fan, what you should want to see realistically is just improvement over the year. Um, hoping you're not making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, which, hoping- which I don't mean to interrupt, but which have been happening. The, right, the same exactly. mistakes have been happening on offense and and especially defense. Last week, I just want to interject, we had multiple players get – actually, Coach Hoji suspended them because they were chippy, to kind of talking back. They're fighting on the sidelines. So – the team is actually seems to be regressing almost from week to week. So it's not a very good look. Anyway, back to what you were saying. Right. So I think if I was coaching the team, what I would do, I think I would go with Jalen Jones. Um, if you're talking a quarterback perspective, uh, just from the athletic and the stuff he can provide you in the run game, him using him as a runner just gives you an extra number in the run game, which is just everything. When you're running the football, it's all a numbers game. You're just, trying to uh, scheme up ways where you can get a hat on a hat and open up those holes for the running back. And if you can use the quarterback in the run game, that just completely changes how the defense has to play you, but you have to be able to pass the ball too. So I think what I want Charlotte to do more of, if they're going to use Jalen Jones as quarterback is to use a lot more motion and just really dumb down this offense for him and just make everything as easy as possible when when you are trying to throw the football and just using your athleticism in any way that you can. So just take stuff from other people, what they're doing well. Um, I watch definitely more NFL than I do college football, um, but taking a lot of what Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniels do with the uh, 49ers and Dolphins using motion to give the quarterback really easy reads. Uh, I've pulled up a play here. The Dolphins use a ton of short motion with Tyreek Hill that's just designed to get the wide receiver in space. And obviously Charlotte doesn't have a player the cap- like with the capabilities of Tyreek Hill, but you can do similar stuff to just try and get your playmakers in space where they can catch the ball and make a move with it. Um, so I think that's something I'd really like to see the offensive coordinator do more to make Jalen Jones' life easier. Just give him simple reads, manner zone, and you don't need to ask him to sit in the pocket and go through a progression. It needs to be 
one read, maybe two, and then throw the ball away or or take off and run. Yeah, and I've even uh, I've even heard Charlotte fans mention uh, the stuff that Lamar Jackson does up in Baltimore, where he does a, a RPO look sometimes. Where I, yeah, I think you'd have the play pulled up here or, right, exactly. or are about yeah. to pull it up right. in a second. Um, <clears throat> where Lamar basically has the option to either hand it off, run, or pass, which I think Charlotte actually has used one of those plays and it worked. So personally, I would like to see them. I've pulled up something that the Eagles do here. Um, yeah. They do a lot of really good RPO stuff. This play is really cool because one of the main problems with RPOs is getting your linemen too far downfield before you throw. The Eagles right here do a really good job of pulling their tight end into block here. So if you are handing the ball off, then um, then the tight end's coming in here to block here and make that hole. But when Hertz th- pulls the ball out and throws here to A.J. Brown, the, the linemen aren't getting downfield. It would be the tight end getting downfield, so you can't call that because he's eligible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if it, just to put it in picture for the viewers, Jalen Hurts is essentially pulling the ball uh, from his running back, so he has that choice, and then he has the ball, so he can choose to run with it or he can make an easy uh, one one person read to to the one player that was in motion and and ran a post route. So yeah, just finding creative ways to use RPO and just make Jalen Jones' life as easy as possible. Um, this is another cool play that LSU runs. Um, LSU runs a lot of cool triple option stuff with Jalen Daniels, uh, not Jalen Jones, um, who's another mobile quarterback. Everyone who's watched LSU football or Jalen Jones even past Arizona State. And this no. is actually a play that scored Charlotte a touchdown earlier this season, except Charlotte didn't, when they motioned, they used the tight end. So they're playing South Carolina State. They had a motion. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that would be good, good to go back to that player or try something similar. Right. This is a modern triple option. Look, with for all intents and purposes, you're Jalen Daniels is has the read of if he wants to hand the ball off here. You have a receiver in motion where it gives Jalen it gives Daniels the read of whether he's got man or zone here. Auburn tries to pass this off, but they it's really hard to do that successfully with the speed at the motions coming here. And then with Daniel's running ability, which Jones can do too, he can make this read. He's just reading this corner over here. If he takes the receiver, then Daniels will run it himself. If he doesn't, or if he gets uh, caught in the mud here and isn't able to get over there, he's, he's got an easy pitch and catch this receiver who just makes a play with the ball and makes someone miss and scores a touchdown on this play. Yeah. So, and, and, and I, I think these are really great suggestions and, and, just kind of addressing the FAU game. There were some things that I, that I thought Mike Miller pulled out of his bag that I liked. He, he did a play where it was a, a QB draw where he, sp- it was third, I think it was third and long. It was like third and eight or something. And he spread all the receivers out. So you were expecting Charlotte to pass it because they're in really just desperate to get on the board like they normally are. And Jalen Jones just went straight up the middle and, and he, it was just such a great play call and, and I wasn't even expecting it. So just using that ability, I think, for him to run, but also, you know, giving him some easy passing reads because there's a lot of receivers that are open. They, I feel like they just don't let Jalen take the shots down, the, the same shots down the field that Trexler Ivy does. And I think Jones can hit those receivers. I think he just often has too much going on on the offense. I, I agree. They, they just really need to simplify the offense if they're going to roll with Jones and just give him easy throws, easy completions. A, it just moves the ball, gets the chains moving a little bit, but also easy completions get a quarterback into the th- into the flow of the game. You're not going to gain confidence without getting completions. 
And then I've pulled up something here that the Colts did with Anthony Richardson before he got hurt. They did a lot of this stuff where they're using him yeah. as a running back here. Um, they're just pulling over guards and tight ends and opening up holes for him. A lot of the times when I saw Charlotte um, do design running plays for Jalen Jones, it's like traditional option, kind of like what you'd see like in Madden or something. They're just doing speed. Yeah, option. They're, they're just doing Power. speed option left and right. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that they, it's really easy for the defense to see coming. Um, and then off of that, the Colts, the Colts ran this first play where they just had this quarterback power, but it's actually a read here. If you're uh, he's reading this uh, end here, if uh, and, and also the safety, if the safety takes this, yeah. uh, this tight end, he could he just looks he's looking for the tight end screen like Charlotte only does. And then he exactly. if, if that's not reads not open, he just runs it up the middle. And, and I, I, you know, I like all these plays. So, David, we may need to put you on the field. Um <laughs> Another thing, another thing I want to address is I don't see Charlotte running many drag routes or just really short pass routes. They seem to either take a shot down the field or they, uh, or they run it. I mean, and and there's, there's no shame in in running the ball up the, up the gut. I understand that play call, but especially with Jalen, I want to see him passing more. They really don't give him a lot of good passing looks. And we've seen in, in, in games like the Maryland game when Maryland blew a coverage and he had a, receiver all the way down the field he could hit a deep pass it's just I feel like they don't give him you know gimmies they don't give him kind of design plays where that receiver should be open and what we've seen kind of the last week or so is that Trexler Ivy is struggling to even throw the ball he's thinking about it too much the last two weeks he's been holding the ball started at the Navy game where he was holding the ball too long and throwing picks and he had a, a receiver wide open but he waited five seconds to make that play. And then, so I don't, I don't really know what Trexler's deal is. I think the, the two quarterbacks are just so different in a sense of Jalen is so explosive, but Trexler is able to get points on the board. So it's just a, uh, well, I, I think that might go back to the mindset thing. It, it's especially Trexler. He's, he's younger, right? He's a freshman. I believe he's a, he's a sophomore. He's actually a walk on sophomore. Yeah. So, yeah, he's really early in his college career and having that pressure on him where he needs to score or he's going to get taken out of the game, I think is really especially detrimental to younger players because they just they put that on themselves. And I, a lot of times they just press a little too hard and they make those mistakes. Um, and uh, but every offense needs layups like these um, where you're just scheming open, easy passes. They're essentially runs. I mean, running screens, running short little RPOs, little um, drags like stuff I've shown here that just easy reads for your quarterback, easy completions. And if they can't hit the layups, then they just, they simply just can't be a D one quarterback. Like if Jalen Jones, if you're going to do this kind of offense and set it up for him and he can't hit these throws, then I, I just don't know to say you're just not capable of being a D one quarterback, but everyone yeah. should be able to hit these. And also it's really important to get the running game going, um, establishing that, and a lot of times when people say that, they just think about volume of running. They just need to simply run the ball. But it's more about being intentional about it and throwing defensive coordinators off, not letting the defense know what's coming. Um, so maybe calling a run on a, on a what would usually be a passing down, like a second 10 or a second nine, because a, getting four yards or five yards, a third and five, third and four is way easier for an offense than a third and 10. Um, running on third and six, just keeping the defense on their toes with the run game and just being really intentional about using it to set up your pass game. So I've, I've got one more play here. 
Um, the Chargers do a pretty good job of this, and they've got an athletic quarterback themselves with Justin Herbert that does have a big arm. But when you set up the running game like this, and you can do a little short boot, like so, yeah, this he, play, he, uh, yeah they Justin, do a little short boot with uh, Justin Herbert. It gets him in space and lets lets the wide receivers have enough time to develop these big routes when you're going to take these shot plays. But this only works if you've established the running game. The um, when they fake this run here and do this boot, the linebackers are sucked in just enough to give this wide receiver a one-on-one against the safety, which he wins. And Herbert's got the arm strength to hit that open throw down the field. Yeah, and just to paint the picture for our viewers, Justin Herbert actually rolls out to his right side uh, after faking a halfback zone. And then he kind of sits back to the side and waits for his receiver to go. So it's kind of like a fake handoff. And then he rolls out to the side, giving back his all the way across the field. It's something yeah. that the offensive line has to give the quarterback time to do this, which is part of why you do the short little rollout there. Um, but it's something that doesn't quite work. If you haven't uh, established in the defensive mind that a run is possible, if they don't respect your run game, then none of this really works. Yeah. So, so looking at Charlotte's, excuse me, looking at Charlotte's quarterback uh, room, Trexler Ivy is, is a sophomore. Uh, he last game, he went eight for 15, 68 yards, one touchdown. As, as I mentioned, he's a pocket passer. Then they have Jalen Jones. He went for nine for 14, 59 yards, 12 carries and 38 yards. And if you look at these two quarterbacks, they didn't have an interception. This, I mean, they have pretty good, not like awful stat lines, but I mean, they don't look like, horrendous here it's it's just their the production mainly so and then looking at on the bench they have uh mika bowens who's an oklahoma transfer and then dom schaffner the grad student as i mentioned and then carson black is redshirted he's a three-star recruit that charlotte actually kind of took from memphis he was ranked as the 14th best quarterback recruit in the nation and he was actually number two in north carolina in 2020 uh following his freshman year in high school and then they're also bringing in Chris Lee, who is a three-star uh, 2024 recruit, and he's a pocket passer from the state of Maryland. So coming in next year, they're going to have uh, Carson Black and Chris Lee they can look forward to, and anybody else who enters through the transfer portal. The full QB room right there. Yeah, I mean, that's a full QB room. And if, if you can't make a decision off the, that many people, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, coming in, you got those two kind of young quarterbacks you can build your program around. So I don't know if they'll provide any relief. But looking at Charlotte's offense, it's not the best. They're second to last in the nation in points, 119th in total offense. They have the second worst passing offense in the American, and Navy's the only team behind them. And uh, Navy runs triple option. They don't pass. So that's really awful. And they also have the third worst offense in the American ahead of ECU uh, and Navy. That's the third worst offense in total. And as we know, ECU was the team Charlotte beat, didn't have a great offense. Uh, and Navy is, like I mentioned, more of a run team and, and they're not very offensively oriented. What do you, what's your stance on, on when Charlotte needs to take action with Mike Miller? Do, do we need to wait a, a year or another year? Do you think fans are overreacting if he's not able to produce by next year? Do you think we have a problem? What, what's your, what's your take on that, David? I think it's hard to maybe gauge um, because Charlotte, if we're being honest, is talent devoid um, on offense, like pretty obviously like there's, Certain things you can do, I think, from a coaching standpoint to make it better. But for Charlotte to win games, like they're just not going to be doing this air raid, you know, type of thing, this USC offense where they're putting up a ton of points every game. That's just not um, what you can expect from them. 
they're going to have to try and find ways to win games by being disciplined, not turning the ball over, not making penalties because all not taking sacks, all mm-hmm. all that stuff is going to kill drives for Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They have to be for a team that's um, at a talent deficit in most of the games Charlotte's play. Um, Charlotte plays like they're are kind of you really have to be buttoned up on your discipline and you kind of just have to make the game ugly and just um yeah not make mistakes and take points where you can get them um, a throwaway is a good play for charlotte a lot of times an incompletion yeah. play a field goal is a good drive um so just you the offense can't lose the game for the team because if we want to move to the defense the defense is a little bit better i've, I've seen um the front seven especially it's a really good run defense Teams like uh, Navy, ECU that like to run the ball a lot have had a really hard time moving the ball against Charlotte. Uh, I think where Charlotte has more trouble on defense is their secondary. Uh, I've seen some miscommunications uh, pretty often between their secondary blown coverages that leave some guys wide open. Um, I, it seems like they've maybe buttoned that up a little bit, but the good passing offenses they play like SMU, um, uh SMU, Georgia State, um, Maryland, to a certain extent, have uh, put up good numbers against Charlotte's defense. Yeah, and I I think you're exactly right on the nose. For Charlotte, I don't think they struggle getting down the field. I think they, they are able to move the ball, especially convert on fourth down, which isn't an ideal scenario, but they're able most, most often than not to convert on fourth down. It's when they get to the opponent's 40 or 30 yard line where it's oh they took a sack oh they took a run for minus six they took a penalty and it pushes them out of out of scoring opportunity uh we saw that in the ecu game actually charlotte's opening drive they drove all the way down the field and then jalen jones had a forward pitch to shadrick bird charlotte's running back and that moved them all the way back and they had to settle for a field goal so it's stuff like that where it's it's more about discipline and and getting right. your players to understand the game and, and not make those foolish penalties. That's what's pushing them back out. It's it's not necessarily that they can't drive because they don't have the worst offense in the nation. I mean, they're not the best, but they have the worst. Um, I think it's worst. They have second to last to, in the nation at points. They have literally one of the worst point scoring teams in the nation. They average 14 points a game, which is absolutely abysmal. And whenever a team is is applying pressure to Charlotte and scoring more than 14 points. It's like, well, that's a loss. So you're just you're you're gonna lose your defense. If your defense can't hold a team uh to under 14 points, it's over. I mean the game is over. So yeah, it's just a really hard way to win games. Yeah, it's it's not efficient. And uh that's that's why uh the, the announcers when they were saying how is Charlotte even winning with this offense? I mean it was a really good point because they had all these uh they had all these yards, but it, I mean, it wasn't getting them anywhere. So, I, you know, I'll we'll have to see this week at, at Tulsa how they do. Tulsa actually has a very good rushing offense. So Charlotte should should be a good matchup against them. But, you know, it, it, you got to be able to seal games. And especially with the amount of players or the undisclosed number of players I can only assume is a lot because obviously Yabi Okanama, who is Charlotte's one of Charlotte's best players, an Alabama transfer, Alabama to Tennessee Martin, a Michigan transfer. He uh, was really undisciplined last week and, and got in a lot of fights. So we can only assume that he's out. And I assume a lot of other defensive players are out. So that's going to be a huge I think hit. That's, that's something that might fall on Poji and the, the coaching staff there, which like is one of 
you know, the offense is one thing, the scheme that you might not like the quarterback switching, like that's all one thing, but having, having undisciplined moments like that is something that shines really poorly on the coaching staff and someone like, um, what was his last name? Uh, the offensive coordinator or, or no, the, uh, the suspended player. Oh, uh, uh Yabi Okanama. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I read that he had gotten kicked off of a couple teams before. Yes. Um, yeah. And from a Charlotte perspective, I understand giving someone like that who's um, athletically talented a, a shot, but if if he's going to um, provide locker room issues and on the field issues like that, uh, that's just something I think Charlotte can't afford to have. Um, they they have to really play a buttoned up game if they're going to win. Yeah, but yeah, it, is, I, it, it is their first year, and so it's it's tough to want to be patient with coaching staffs, but um, you have to give new coaches time, especially someone like Poji who's never, uh, I don't think has ever been a D one head coach. Um, it's, it can be just a learning process. Uh, so even though maybe the early returns aren't good, you have to be patient with these sort of things. He's yeah. not realistically a new coach isn't going to come into a place like Charlotte and contend from the contend for the AAC or something, uh, have a winning record right away. Yeah, and and Biff Pogey's whole spiel is is I heal broken players or whatever, and <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't think that's a good luck. You're having to suspend all of your players or, or most of your players in in what what week are we in? Um, it's not a good look. And looking at looking at uh, Tulsa though, they they seem like a very good matchup for Charlotte. They lost to SMU actually worse than Charlotte did. They lost six sixty nine to ten. They lost to Rice forty two to ten. They had a close matchup against Florida Atlantic, but their only wins or or big wins are against Temple, who is as we know is a cellar dweller in um, the American Conference, and then Northern Illinois is a MAC team, and then Arkansas Pine Bluff. So. Doesn't look like Tulsa's as good. It, it seems like a Charlotte ECU matchup, and it seems like if they decide on Jalen or if they decide on Dom Schaffner or Trexler, as long as they just stick to their game plan and don't commit penalties, I'm going to speak it into existence. Don't commit penalties. <laughs> they should. They should make it a winnable game. They should make it a game they can win uh, because Tulsa's not very good. And and if Charlotte, I think, gets another win in the American, it's not a complete loss. It's it's at least. Pretty pretty good to come out of your first year uh, when you were projected to only win two point five games and at least win three, uh, or, or win yeah win three games and and win two in the American. That seems like a, a decent showing uh, for a team that really wasn't expected to win that much. And it and it will this this win could give them momentum for more. So <clears throat> a lot riding on this game this week. It is on ESPN Plus kicking off on Saturday at 4 p.m. Charlotte will Charlotte will visit uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Chapman Stadium. Should be a good one. I don't think a lot of people will be in attendance. They're not two powerhouses. It looks like tickets. You can buy them for $2. But, you know, Charlotte will keep pushing. David, do you have any last words for Charlotte? Anything they can do? No, I'm glad to speak to the Charlotte fans, you know, get uh, a little bit different perspective than you might normally see uh, on the show. It's a fun time. Thanks for letting me on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, David, for being on the podcast. And that about wraps it up for this week. Thanks, everyone. Go Niners. Go Niners. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Inside the Mind. Hit that follow button to stay updated on all things Niner Nation. You can find me on Twitter at InsideTheMind49 and on Instagram at Drew underscore Fitzgerald. 
as always, picks up and roll Niners. Niners.